Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, and this, of course, is our Thursday edition of the podcast, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, and for the first time on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Terry Pluto is joining us. Terry, how are you? I'm well, Dan. All right. So, uh, as I said, this is our, our Thursday edition. On Wednesday, we got to hear from Alex Van Pelt, uh, the Browns offensive coordinator. So, we're going to talk about the Browns offense. and. Uh, Mary Kay, I know for us on, on these podcasts, I think we've come across as pretty bullish about the Browns offense and Baker Mayfield and how it can rebound from last year. And so I just want to start there. How is this year different? Because I think last year, too, everybody felt great about this offense coming out of 2018 and those last eight games. Uh, they thought maybe this, this offense would explode with Odell Beckham. We thought Freddie Kitchens was a brilliant play caller at the time. Uh, how is this year different in your mind than where we were at this point last year? Well, they're going to be running a very proven and established scheme. We know it works. You can plug Kirk Cousins into it, like Kevin Stefanski has done in Minnesota, and the numbers come out great. You can plug Brian Hoyer into it, which Kyle Shanahan did here in Cleveland, and the numbers come up good. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo or Matt Ryan or anyone else who has operated out of this play-action-based wide zone scheme that emphasizes the run game, two tight ends, and all sorts of things uh, that end up with a very, very productive offense. So uh, that's why I think that they're on the right track. Terry, I mean, kind of the same question for you. Is, is, there, any, is there any pause for you as to maybe here we go again, or are you feeling good about where this is headed? I think the main thing will be we do have a rookie head coach again, and for all the discussion about all the experience Stefanski's had. He's not been a head coach. I, I know that uh, I think all three of us had certain reservations about Freddie Kitchens that we probably don't have about Stefanski just in terms of, you know, his, his style and that. But it will be interesting to see how he will be able to, I think, uh, put his scheme in and also just be the overall head coach. Now, I do feel pretty good about the fact Van Pelt clearly uh, has a strong personality in that coordinator, or, yeah, coordinator position, and I guess it's quarterback coach too, where that wasn't there before with Kitchen. So I think that will help, especially if, uh, uh, say he's calling plays or at least having a big influence on the offense where then Stefanski could be over the whole thing. There was a lot of talent there. I mean, there were some holes last year, but there was a lot of talent there last year too. I mean, who sits there and go, gee, Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis. And you know, we thought at that point Higgins was a good number three receiver. Joku had potential. Nick Chubb had come close to 1,000 yards a year before. There were some holes in the line, but you turn around, you look at those last eight games – uh, when Kitchens was calling the plays, I think Baker was sacked five times. So uh, there were reasons to be bullish last year, but I, I, I do feel better. I mean, look, they, they went out and you, you, whenever you get a better offensive line, you should have a better offense than they did that. Yeah, I, I like the point about Alex Van Pelt because, I, you know, we haven't gotten to talk to him a lot. We had mm -hmm. the introductory press conference with him. We had this today. He's a man with opinions. Right. And with Todd yes. Munkin, it was never like that. I mean, we sat yeah. through those Todd Munkin press conferences and <laughs> you, know, you literally see him glance up at the clock while, while he was talking to us. It just never felt like, uh, it never felt Mary Kay like Todd Munkin had much of a, I don't want to say much of a role, but just never felt like that role was real defined, at least in a lot of our eyes. 
Well, very early on in the Todd Munkin, Freddie Kitchens regime, it became very evident, I think, to Todd Munkin that, uh, you know, that this was not going to go well. And I just think that, that uh, you know, he kind of went along for the ride for the rest of the season and he just didn't want to speak up too much. There was nothing he could do. He wasn't going to change the offense. He wasn't going to change Freddie Kitchens. He wasn't going to wedge his way in between Ryan Lindley and Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. And I just don't think that he had a huge influence whatsoever. I think he did what he was told to do. And I think he just tried to stay in his own lane as much as he possibly could because there, there was such an incredible disconnect between him and Freddie Kitchens and just the dysfunctional way that that whole thing operated. That is not the case this year whatsoever. I mean, you've got Kevin Stefanski with a very clear vision, with a very, very clear offensive scheme. He knows exactly what he wants to do. As Terry pointed out, he's a rookie head coach. And of course, we don't know for sure how it's all going to go play out. But he has a plan. Freddie didn't have a plan last year. Uh, Kevin has a plan. They know what the offense is right now. While they're installing it here in these OTAs, these virtual OTAs, they're articulating the scheme to the players. They know what they're doing. They, you know, it's in. The offense is in. They have an identity. It's a very established and well-documented plan. So I think that's a big part of it. And you're right. Alex Van Pelt is, is opinionated. He is uh, self-assured. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He, and he's on the same page with Kevin Stefanski. He can carry out that offense, even though I'm sure there are differences, they are still, for the most part, speaking the same language. It's interesting to see, you know, looking back, who actually hired Munkin? Now it seems like maybe Dorsey just shoved it down uh, Freddie's throat. I mean, came out early on, or, uh, Mary Kay, you mentioning to me, you know, some reservations about Freddie being insecure and all that probably towards the end of mini camps. Right. And so even if he did hire Munkin, he was sorely felt cre uh, threatened by Munkin. And if not, it's like, I'm stuck with this guy. I mean, Freddie might've said, you, you know, John, you, other than Lindley, I, I can't think of anybody else that maybe he wanted to hire. And they, Dorsey just went and did the staff and it didn't fit well. Stefanski came in here with a lot more power, I think, than Kitchens. Because remember, it's supposed to be, First, we have to talk about quarters, quarterback center, but actually it's coach center too. You know, the GM was going to be alignment and fit with the coach. So that's, that was the reason I mentioned that, that I felt that um, they thought this out better. Again, we don't know. I do wish we could see these guys on the field. I'm sure the full yeah. coaches are saying the same thing. Because now, hey, everybody sounds great talking about what they're watching on video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of the rub here. I mean, even, even when we see him on the field, half the time we don't really know for sure mm -hmm. what we're seeing, but you do pick up on things. You know, I, you know I've, I've been super intrigued by Kareem Hunt. Mary Kay can tell you all about that. I asked about Kareem Hunt today yeah. uh, on, on the Zoom call. And I think last year we were able to see, hey, you know, Kareem Hunt, even though you're not going to have him in the first eight games, he was lining up wide. He, he was lining up in the slot. You kind of saw why maybe Duke Johnson didn't want to be a member of the Browns anymore. Uh, you're, you're able to see some of that stuff. And unfortunately, we're just not able to kind of see how this is going to look. But I also think it's telling that even without that, I think all of us could probably, you know, close our eyes and kind of envision what this offense is going to look like on Sundays. We, based on how they built it, based on what we know about Stefanski and, and the Kyle Shanahan stuff and, and how it's sort of based a little bit in that, uh, even without having seen it in practice, 
we can just close our eyes and see a little bit what it's going to look like. I would yeah. think so. I'm going to ask Mary Kay this first, but because yeah. uh, Mary Kay and, and Dan, both of you guys are there all the time. I sort of thought I knew what it was going to look like last year. I really did. Now, granted, you brought in Odell, but, you know, I thought we'd see quite a bit of uh, sort of like the run-based stuff that they were running the final eight games of 2018, and they got away from that. And, and maybe, again, that goes back to being a rookie head coach who's insecure. Um, but, no, I, I know what this thing's supposed to look like now because we saw with the Vikings. And the, and the great thing, Mary Kay, I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, I know it and I always forget about it, that Shanahan ran it here with Hoyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, uh, and we addressed this a little bit with Alex Van Pelt on, on the call today, the fact that uh, even though we know what it's going to look like and we, we know what the vibe is going to be, there's so many different things that you can do off of this scheme and so many different personnel groupings that you can have. And so therefore, you know, there's going to be, you know, you know, what 11 personnel and 12 and 22 and different things. What I mean by that is, you know, sometimes you might have two running backs and two tight ends. That's 22. Uh, sometimes you might have 12 personnel where you've got two tight ends, uh, 11, three wides, although they will be in three wides less than they were last year. Uh, but they can do so many different things out of this. And then not only can they put the different personnel groupings out onto the field, from that point then, and that's, this is a big, huge key to this offense, is the fact that you're not going to know if it's going to be a run or a pass until very deep in, into the play. And the, they're going to keep the defense on their heels. They're going to keep them guessing. And they're going to be biting on the run a lot. And that is going to leave things open downfield for Baker Mayfield. And almost everybody that I talk to uh, really talks about how they think that Baker Mayfield will flourish in this scheme. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be easy for Baker last year, right? Everything was supposed to be easy because it looked easy in those last eight games. Now, as we all kind of put a more critical eye on it, Mary Kay, you were, you were pretty early on this. Uh, when they went five and three, that was against pretty bad defenses. And right. he did throw a bunch of interceptions against the good defenses he played against. And so maybe we kind of overrated that a little bit too. Um, I think last year was very humbling for, for a lot of people. And it, it served as a reminder that, you do have to pay attention in that second half of the season to who you're playing, uh, what it's going against. But everything was supposed to be easy for Baker last year, but then you kind of went back and watched. There wasn't as much play action. You know, his, his footwork, right? That's been a big topic. And I think that's really a, a point of optimism, too, that Alex Van Pelt came in and established very quickly, we're changing Baker's footwork. This is how I think it's supposed to be done. I think you should have your left foot forward when you're in the shotgun. I'm going to tell everybody that. And, and we're going to change that. I, I think that sort of in itself kind of sent a message. Like, like this is different now. This isn't buddy-buddy. This isn't we're all trying to be friends in here. Uh, I'm going to coach you. And I also think that this is something Stefanski and Van Pelt um, had planned and planned to go public with it, uh, with Van Pelt being the message deliverer. They want to put some pressure on this guy uh, to – as you said, it's not all just buddy-buddy. We're here to coach you. But it doesn't mean that the minute he has a bad game case, Keenan plays, because part of what Stefanski, unless I missed it, and see what you guys think. I mean, he's hired to fix Baker Mayfield and to be able to ride Baker Mayfield for the next several years. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, again, most quarterbacks function very well in this scheme if you have the skill set that Baker has. I mean, if you've got that deadly accuracy, 
uh, you're going to fare very, very well uh, in this offense. It's a very precision timing passing game. And so his number one strength, which I think is his accuracy, is going to serve him very, very well. The other important uh, note about this whole thing, I think, is the fact that Baker is taking the coaching. He is listening to these guys. He didn't say, hey, you know what? I can't change my footwork going into year three. He's working really, really hard to change that footwork. Uh, you know, he's, he's not balking at what they're telling him. Uh, when, they, when Kevin Stefanski told him to tone it down this offseason and kind of be a little bit more quiet and just, you know, go out there and, and do it and don't talk about it, Baker is doing that. And I think that uh, he trusts these guys. I think he can see on film that if you do what they are asking you to do, the results are going to be really, really good. And I think that trust eroded in the coaching staff last year. I don't think, I think it became evident to him very early on that, you know, that he wasn't being put in the best positions to succeed, that maybe Freddie Kitchens was in over his head. He would never admitted that. He never made it an excuse or anything like that. Uh, but I think that, you know, he likes structure. He likes to have a good plan, a good scheme. And now he's got that. The interesting thing, I think, also is that the pandemic plays into this because uh, there weren't as many opportunities for Baker to go out and be Baker and be public and, you know, their magazine stuff. And, I mean, but again, it's just the world stopped for several months. And that could be a good thing for somebody who needs to stop and think. I wrote a column earlier in the week from those open letter gimmick things. But this could be uh, the best thing of his pro football life because if you go back to it, as a the only time he really struggled before last season was perhaps uh the middle of his freshman year when he got benched at texas tech for a while and then came back and played but otherwise it was always hey he went out there and he could gunsling it or make it work um so i'm hoping that that plays into the new coaching what they want to do but you know there was something wrong with his accuracy or they wouldn't be messing with his footwork so that's good, good news for me that they're not just saying, oh, he used to be an accurate quarterback and he'll be fine. Uh, he must have gotten this. I don't know it well enough, Mary Kay and, and Dan, but something went wrong to say, no, we got to get this, this left foot forward. And they also were saying something else under center today. I was a little bit the size of step backward or something. Um, well, basically it's the West Coast footwork and right. Alex Pelt has – he has studied it. Uh, mm -hmm. He's coached it forever. He's coached Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and, and it's in order to run the, you know, the, the precise precision timing game that they run, uh, he has discovered over the years, and he has studied it thoroughly, uh, that the best way to achieve that uh, is to have the, you know, the, the West Coast footwork is what he called it today. Uh, so it's not so much that anything was wrong with, and he, he admitted that today. It's not that there was anything really wrong with Baker's footwork. It's that he wants Baker and Case Keenum and Garrett Gilbert uh, all running the same consistent West Coast footwork that works best in this scheme. Okay, I'll just throw one other thing out. Why, why were so many of his passes flying high last year compared to before you know that's the only reason well, I was mechanically he, mechanically he was off but I don't again I don't think they changed the footwork um you know to tailor it necessarily to that as much as this is how they do it yeah I, I think there's 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 a lot of layers to it right there is that footwork layer to it but yes I, I think mechanically 
there, there was something wrong. I, I saw a Twitter yeah. thread, and and look, you can you can watch Twitter threads of of film cutups, and you know they can be spun however you want. But I saw a really good Twitter thread last week that kind of showed, you know, Baker's mechanics and just something was not right and, and his mm -hmm. accuracy wasn't there and we we always talk about accuracy right it's something that you don't know if you can teach it or not but I also don't think it's something you just lose it's there you've just got to do the things that, that make it appear again and, and that's sort of a, that's just what they kind of need, need to try and do and also being in this system will help you know Joel Batonio and Alex Van Pelt and back-to-back -back days you're talking about rollouts you're talking about play action you're talking about boots I mean, you're talking about things. I mean, even Joel Batonio knew, hey, Baker's better when you run this sort of stuff. So, you know, if, if your left guard knows this and is talking about that, I, I think that's telling. I think he got lax in everything last year. And I think he just, he wasn't, you know, once everything sort of started to go south and he had too many people in his ear, he really did. I always say he had too many cooks in with kitchens. Uh, you know, he was trying to listen to, Ryan and he was trying to listen to Drew Stanton and he was listening to Freddie Kitchens and he was listening to maybe a little bit Todd Munkin but probably not all that much uh and I just think he had too many voices in his ear well and, and probably Odell and Jarvis and, exactly. you know, all exactly. and so I just don't think that he uh he just wasn't as focused as he needed to be and and in this particular scheme uh that accuracy is going to be vitally important and I think we will see it come back I just like the fact the stats show when Stefanski's called plays, they're run heavy. And you look at how many times, I always forget whether Minnesota was fourth in rushing attempts or sixth, but either one, um, they're up high. They're running the ball a lot. And he's got better running backs here than he had in Minnesota. And if, let's face it, if you fake the ball to Nick Chubb, they're going to take that seriously defensively. It's not, I remember a long time ago, Mary Kay, and you go back to that too, I was talking to Chris Palmer once, and he said, uh, I said, well, he was talking about his wife. He has a great wife. And I said, well, does she ever second-guess you? And I, he says, yeah, well, just once. And I said, what was it about? He said, uh, well, she thought we should run more play action, and I didn't. I said, well, what did, what did you say? I said, honey, we have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the football player, not the center in the backfield. We fake the ball to him. They say, we don't care. Hand it to him. We don't want, we'd rather have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar run it than Couch throw it. And you won't say that. I mean, it's, it's sort of basic stuff, but play action really works when you've got people that could run the ball when you hand it to them. Yeah, absolutely. And not only do they have, you know, one person, but yeah. as he always mentions and reminds us, they have two in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And there's just so many things that you do with those guys out of play action. And so much of what Kevin Stefanski wants to do involves disguising run versus pass, marrying up those two concepts. And I think Kareem uh, gives them a, a wonderful opportunity to, you know, to be on the field and to be able to catch or run and, and be part of that subterfuge. So Dan is Kareem's agent. Is that what <laughs> yes. I'm learning? I, I might be, I might be morphing into uh, to Kareem Hunt's agent. I, I mean, my, my point kind of all along, though, has been like when you kind of go through, you, you get past Jarvis and Odell and Austin mm -hmm. Hooper and you start getting into, you know, Richard Higgins, Kadero Hodge, guys like that. A coach has to make a decision. Do you want to have one of those guys on the field or Kareem Hunt on the field? And I think he's a guy that can really unlock a lot of things in this offense. And the other thing, too, is as you guys are talking about that, um, Kevin Stefanski has sort of indicated this, too. 
when you've got bigger bodies out there and multiple running backs, multiple tight ends, it means the defense has to have bigger bodies out there. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes things easier too. And I think Stefanski even said like something about exotic blitzes. It makes it harder for defenses to run their exotic stuff when you have to have three linebackers on the field or however many linebackers you've got to have on the field uh, when, when you put bigger bodies out there. And, and so it's having the depth too, Dan, yeah. to, to, for your guy, because we've not seen Chubb get hurt, but we've all covered teams where all the, it seems like when one, one running back gets hurt and then a backup gets hurt, it, it, it's almost contagious back there. Uh, that's why, I mean, it's kind of a lesser thing, but I wondered who you thought um, that third running back is going to be. Cause I, I, the, I think the Dontrell Hilliard train is pulled out of town. I know he's back, but uh, uh that was that was a Dorsey guy there. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really dug that. I mean, Hilliard is still around. You've got Dearness mm-hmm. Johnson. Um, Forgot about him. I have to kind of look at the roster and see. I mean, they have the fullback too. Well, I've already uh, picked a guy. Uh, I have a guy. I have. You want to hear my guy? Yes, of course. This is like the him. this is like the Richard Higgins thing I got on before anything <laughs> was. Benny Lemay from Charlotte. Okay, Larry Ogunjobi's uh. Yes, that, 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 you know, the, it is, by the way, a farm system for the Browns now, we know. <laughs> but it, I looked at this guy, I mean, you know, it's always like you look at them and say, but they do need like a third or fourth guy, and you want somebody who should be able to run the ball. And of course, this system, to go back to what Mary Kay is really underlying well, it should really help running backs too. Okay, we are going to take a quick break here. I'll talk to everybody about Football Insider, and then uh, we'll come back and wrap things up. But first, I want to tell you about Football Insider. It is our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay, Scott, and Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we are thinking, and more. You also get the opportunity to text us back, and we'll respond directly to you. It cuts through the clutter of social media. Uh, Now, speaking of Baker Mayfield, we're going to do something special for our Football Insider subscribers next week, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. We'll be holding a Zoom call. Uh, for our subscribers all about Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about where he's been, where he's going, and what we expect from him in year three. We did something similar prior to the draft, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll be a part of it. Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, uh, Terry Pluto is going to be on Doug Maurice. It's going to be a great opportunity, and it's something that you can check out if you sign up for your 14-day free trial. So if you want to sign up for that trial and see if Football Insider is right for you, you can go to cleveland.com slash browns, and there's a box on the right side of the page. You click there, you can get more information. After the trial, it's $3.99 per month. Even easier, since you're probably sitting here listening on your phone, you can text 216-208-3965 to get signed up and start that 14-day free trial. Again, 216 216- Two zero eight three nine six five. Back to the podcast. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Terry Pluto, and now we're going to talk about play calling. Everybody loves to talk about play calling. Uh, Alex Van Pelt is supposed to get a shot to call plays in the preseason. Mary Kay, I know you asked about that today with this sort of weird, um, this weird off-season program. If anything has changed. Uh, but what can you tell us here, just to start us off with, with what we can expect from uh, Van Pelt and maybe a chance for him to call plays? Well, you know, I, it seems to be geared towards him calling the plays this season. It seems like Kevin Stefanski wants to give him an opportunity to do that. And again, he's supposed to have that chance during the preseason games, 
we'll see how many preseason games there really are. Um, but I think, you know, it's setting up for that. I think Kevin Stefanski really kind of wants to be more of the CEO coach. And I kind of think in some ways the Browns would like him to be that too. I don't know that they want him to have too much on his plate the first year, but by the same token, he is precisely running the Gary Kubiak offense that he called last year in Minnesota. So if it takes him to actually call it, then he will, he will do it, but he is not wed to that. And I think that he wants to give Alex a chance to do it. For what it's worth. I remember what the first year we saw Pat Shermer overwhelmed, no offensive coordinator, everything else here. And then they brought in Brad Childress. And I asked um, uh, Pat one time, I said, well, how are you working this with Childress? And he said, well, well, together we do the offense. Where I said, well, who calls the play first? And he said, actually, the way they had it set up, Childress is upstairs. He says, Childress is calling it first. I was on the headset. And he said, if I could change it, you know, but – he said maybe it happened five, seven times a game. It didn't happen a lot. And so that might be your system there, or if they could become, uh, in other words, their philosophies and everything match. And I think Stefanski is not like Freddie, where Freddie's whole identity was in play calling. If I gave that up, I'm losing, you know, why I got the job. Uh, so it, it could work uh, in a system similar to that. And I, th I think that's a really important point because I've never gotten the impression from Kevin Stefanski that he's like tied to play calling, that it's something he's super passionate about and he has to do it. He just has to be the guy that's mm -hmm. calling those plays. I've, I've never gotten that impression. And then you sort of look at his background, you, you kind of look at why they wanted to hire him. It, it's easy to get caught up in hiring an offensive coordinator and saying, okay, he got hired for his play calling. But I honestly believe he got hired because he possesses a lot of those leadership qualities that the Browns wanted in a head coach. So Mary Kay, when you say CEO head coach, I, I think that's part of what the Browns were looking for when they hired him. Well, when you think about it, when they originally wanted to hire him, Paul DePodesta and Andrew Barry, he had only called plays for three games at that point mm -hmm. in his career. So they really weren't going to be hiring him for his play calling. Now we went back last year and called the entire season, but they were originally going to hire him for those CEO qualities. And again, if you look at both of these guys, they have called plays for about almost the same amount of games. Neither of them have a whole ton of experience at it. So again, it's not like, uh, you know, you, you know, you'd be wrestling that away from Kevin Stefanski or, or Alex. I think uh, Kevin is very open-minded to having Alex do it. I think Alex wants to do it. I think it's one of the reasons why he wanted to come here to Cleveland for that opportunity to do it. And, um, you know, sometimes that is a path to becoming a head coach too. And, you know, you give guys those kind of opportunities uh, in their careers. So it seems to me like it's headed in that direction, but Kevin reserves the right to retain it himself. I do think having Case Keenum is really good on two levels. I mean, one, he knows Stefanski's system. In fact, I think what Keenum said, why well, he's played under six or seven different systems and, and that. But also, I just like having a back court, backup quarterback. We talked about running backs. They can put in the game. And Stefanski's experience in Minnesota was with quarterbacks getting hurt. And so he uh, – I don't think he wants to go roll out there with Garrett Gilbert or, or something like that because you, your whole season just goes up in flames when that happens. So I, we haven't mentioned that, but I think that was a key thing, bringing him in. Uh, 
to help underline the system, like you said, Mary Kate. Yeah, you're right. They hired a CEO and they hired a system, now that I think about it. And they brought in a quarterback who was in the system who could play if needed. And if not, he was a guy that wasn't going to say, um, a veteran, you bring this veteran in, oh, man, Baker, that system will never work, you know. Yeah, that, that is, I mean, it is interesting because we do talk about him as like the CEO head coach, but also we talk a lot about his system and is he going to mm-hmm. call plays in it. And I thought Alex Van Pelt was interesting today because he did sort of, I thought, go out of his way to kind of mention, you know, there might be some weeks where we, we do go 11 heavy, you know, where we aren't just a bunch of tight ends and fullbacks and running backs, where we do go with three receivers a lot or, or spread it out. It might be a week-to-week thing. So, you know, I, I do think that's something to watch as, as we go along, how flexible the Browns are within this system. And, and maybe that'll have a lot to do with whether Van Pelt is the guy calling plays or not. I think it will be a work in progress, too. And I think uh, when you have a new system, new coaching staff, and they haven't even met their players yet, yeah. you know, it's going to take a while for them to figure out who reacts well in this situation, who gets the hot hand. Uh, you know, how the, the timing is going, because, I mean, you've got a, a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. who is going to have to kind of adapt himself to this being exactly where he needs to be on any given play mm-hmm. instead of trying to work his way open however he can get open. And they just don't know how that's going to work out yet. So maybe what we see early on in the season, uh, it's going to evolve as the season goes along. This is not Sean Payton down in New Orleans saying, hey, you guys, go have your uh, – go have your off season and we'll meet back up in training camp. He knows what he's got. He knows what those guys can do. Uh, Alex Van Pelt really, for the most part, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's excited about what he's seen from like a Kareem hunt, but he's never actually worked with him yet. So all of that will be a factor. If you have the right coaching staff in terms of the right first time coaches coming in or whatever, it should happen exactly as you say, Mary Kay, it should evolve. It should get better as you go along. If you have the wrong one, then you'll see just – right. you don't just hit some bump in the road. You know, you fall into a crater and everybody points fingers. Right. So that I'm, I'm with you. I think it could be rocky early. I, I, it doesn't matter who they're playing just because all the stuff that we would be seeing now, and we would be seeing the ball thrown to tight ends, and we would be seeing Baker with his left foot forward and that. And so with the coaches, we're not seeing that now. And so that is all going to be new. And so, you know, it's almost like you're going to be using some of these early season games as – as you know, prime exhibition games to, to get this stuff going. And you will have, as, as we've mentioned, a number of guys doing some vastly new things that they've yeah. never done before, including Jedrick Wills playing on the left side for the very first time in his entire career. He will be playing left tackle. And it what did Van Pelt say about him, Mary Kay? I, I wrote the note down now, I can't even read my own notes. Well, he did say this. He, he believes that the sky is the limit for him. Sky's the limit. Yeah, right. It was a big endorsement. But as, as we've mentioned, you know, yeah. in the beginning, I mean, it's going to be a, a learning process for him at that position. And at the same time, you're going to have Baker Mayfield, who when the fur is flying and the game is fast and the, the clock is on, uh, he's going to be trying new footwork. And so there will be uh, – and Odell will be thinking about, oh, I've got to be right here at this – exact spot and where's the ball (laughs) so you know in the early going you know it there might be some growing pains there there is a lot to juggle I know Terry when you when you were talking there about you know maybe not having a familiarity with guys and and kind of learning what guys need and things like that one, one of the first things I thought of is what I've noticed about two years with Jarvis Landry is 
he's a very different player when you kind of force feed him the ball a little bit early than when he has to kind of wait for the ball to come his way. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of go back to that. That's one of those things that as a play caller, as a coordinator, you just have to learn about guys. Like Jarvis Landry is more engaged when he gets some touches early, even if they aren't spectacular, even if they're just quick little throws, you know, and you got to learn that about each individual guy and, and sort of try and balance all that. All I right. was trying to think, Dan, who's on the staff from last year that would be able to tell them that? There's probably somebody. <laughs> a, a trainer because they they kept a couple defensive coaches didn't they they kept um, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah so that's well dan you ought to send him a note on that along with all your kareem hunt plays also I'll i'm putting that email together i'm going to send it to uh to the browns when we're done all right that'll do it for uh this edition of the orange and brown talk podcast terry it was great to have you on for the first time we will certainly have you on uh more often as we go along and remember everybody we're doing that big Baker Mayfield Zoom call for our Football Insider subscribers. So even if you just sign up for that free trial, uh, you'll be able to check that out and, and be a part of that and see if Football Insider is something that you want to stick with beyond those first 14 days. So for Terry and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.